Good evening. We welcome you for our message tonight from Newark United Pentecostal Church in Newark, Delaware. And we're broadcasting to our congregation on Facebook and YouTube six nights a week, Tuesday through Sunday at 7 p.m. And if you're new to our messages or would like to know more about us, please go to newarkupc.info. Our theme for this week and next week is the good, the bad, and the ugly. Lessons from the kings and queens of Israel and Judah. And tonight I'm going to talk about Josiah, king of Judah, and I do feel there are lessons that we can learn from his story. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we come to you this evening to honor and praise you. Thank you for all your blessings we receive daily. Help us to acknowledge all that you have done for us and be thankful. Lord, prepare our minds and hearts for your word. Let us be open to what you would have us receive tonight. There's a place for each one of us that in each one of us that only you can fill. So draw us closer to you and anoint our ears to your message in Jesus name. Amen. So first and second Kings are just full of accounts of those who ruled in Israel and Judah. And as you probably know, there really were good, bad, and ugly kings and queens. <laughs> One would do right in God's eyes, then another would come along and do evil. So I've chosen to tell part of the story of Josiah and then consider how we can apply this account to our own lives today. If you'd like to read more about the life of Josiah, it can be found in 2 Kings chapters 22 and 23 and in 2 Chronicles chapter 35. And I've long been fascinated with jo the story of Josiah, especially because of his desire to do right, even from a very young age. So young people, keep your ears open for some comments directed towards you. And there's also takeaways for the rest of us not so young folks. I'm going to begin reading in 2 Kings chapter 22, starting at verse one. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. Just think about that, eight years old. And he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother was Jedidah, the daughter of Adea from Boxcoth. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his ancestor David. And we all know about David, a man after God's own heart. He did not turn away from doing what was right. It's hard for me to imagine an eight-year-old king. <laughs> Josiah's father, Ammon, had done evil in the Lord's sight, and he'd been assassinated by his own officials. Then the people of Judah killed all those officials and made Ammon's son, Josiah, the king. Makes me wonder why Josiah chose to honor God when his father had not. There must have been other influences in his life, possibly the priests that directed him in a different path from both his father and his grandfather. And note that you'll be hearing about his grandfather, Manasseh, on Saturday. 
In the 18th year of his reign, Josiah determined to pay workers to repair the temple. So here's Josiah at 26 years of age, making plans to repair the temple. He's still quite young, but he's taking on what turns out to be a very important project that will greatly affect the course of his reign as king and also of his life. In the process of this repair, Hilka, the high priest, discovers the book of the law in the Lord's temple. Quite obviously, the previous kings had not been concerned about following God's law. And then, how does King Josiah react upon hearing the words on the scroll? 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 11 says, Then the king heard what was written in the book of the law. He tore his clothes in despair. Then Josiah tells the officials, in, chapter, in verse 13, go to the temple and speak to the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah. Inquire about the words written in this scroll that has been found. For the Lord's great anger is burning against us because our ancestors have not obeyed the words on this scroll. We have not been doing everything it says we must do. So jo Josiah was very upset to find that his ancestors had not been obeying the law. Obviously, he cared about doing right. So what did he do? He sent the officials to consult with the prophetess Huldah. In 2 Kings 22:15, it says, she, meaning Huldah, said to them, the Lord, the God of Israel has spoken. Go back and tell the man who sent you, and they were sent by, by Josiah, this is what the Lord says. I'm going to bring disaster on this city and its people. All the words written in the scroll that the king of Judah has read will come true. For my people have abandoned me and offered sacrifices to pagan gods, and I'm very angry with them for everything they have done. My anger will burn against this place, and it will not be quenched. So God was angry that his people had not been obedient. But notice what God says about Josiah, how he had been sorry for not following the law. Verse 19, you were sorry and humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I said against this city and its people, that this land would be cursed and become desolate. You tore your clothing in despair and wept before me in repentance. And I have indeed heard you, says the Lord, so I will not send the promised disaster until after you have died and been buried in peace. You will not see the disaster I'm going to bring on this city. So looking at what King Josiah did tells much about his love for God and his commitment to lead Judah according to God's commands. Let's go to 2 Kings 23, verse 1. Then the king summoned all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem, and the king went up to the temple of the Lord with all the people of Judah and Jerusalem, along with the priests and the prophets, all the people from the least to the greatest. So he got everybody together. 
There the king read to them the entire book of the covenant that had been found in the Lord's temple, the whole thing. The king took his place of authority beside the pillar and renewed the covenant in the Lord's presence. He pledged to obey the Lord by keeping all his commands, laws, and decrees with all his heart and soul. In this way, he confirmed all the terms of the covenant that were written in the scroll. And all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. All the people. This is how he led them. Wow. So how does this relate to us? What can we learn from Josiah's example? First, Josiah was only 26 years old when he pledged to be obedient to all of God's commands, laws, and decrees with all his heart and soul. One takeaway here is that you do not have to be of a certain age to make an impact on those around you. So young people, look at what 1 Timothy 4.12 says. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Josiah's example affected all the people. And Proverbs 20.11 says, Even children are known by the way they act, whether their conduct is pure and whether it is right. Even at a young age, what you do and how you act really matters. You can have a very positive effect on those around you. And then Ecclesiastes 11.9. Young people, it's wonderful to be young. Enjoy every minute of it. Do everything you want to do. Take it all in. But remember that you must give an account to God for everything you do. So as you make your choices, like Josiah, consider what will be pleasing to the Lord. What else can we take away from the example of King Josiah? During this time, <clears throat> God's people were under the law and were to follow everything written in it. But now we're no longer under the law, but we are under grace. Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection mark the beginning of a new covenant. In other words, a New Testament. We can have a heart like Josiah and pledge to be obedient, but obedient to what? The Word. Let's look at some scriptures about the Word. John 17, 17. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. So this is Jesus praying. He says the word will make people holy. We need to know what the word says, just like the people of Judah during the time of King Josiah. Revelation 20, 12 and 13 says, I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead, and death and the grave gave up their dead. And all were judged according to their deeds. So there are two books, the book of life. Then the other book is the 66 books of the Bible, 
that will judge us in the last day. What is written in those books is important. Okay, now I want to I'll do this scripture in the KJV just for the Bible quizzers. Look at Psalm 119.11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. So we need to know what the word says. We need to have it in our heart. 2 Timothy 3.12-16 says, Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil people and impostors will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. So how can we keep from being deceived? Verse 14. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. Now this is Paul talking to Timothy. We must obey what the apostles taught. Verse 15, you've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us what is right. That probably sounds familiar from a small group lesson a few weeks ago. Just as Josiah pledged to follow all that he read in the law, we must turn to the scriptures to receive salvation and to know right from wrong. In 2 Timothy 2.15, Paul talks about being an approved worker. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Now, the KJV puts this as rightly dividing the word of truth. So let's look at how the New Testament is divided. It's divided up into the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that tell the biography of Jesus. And then the book of Acts, the actions of the apostles. It's the only book that gives the words of the apostles telling people how to be saved. And then the epistles, Romans through Jude, are letters to the church to saved people. And Revelation is prophecy in symbolic form. So knowing how the New Testament is divided helps us correctly understand it. For example, it's not appropriate to hunt for the plan of salvation in the epistles since it was written to the church, to people who were already saved. We have to go back to Acts for that. So, so it could be asked, does it matter what people believe as long as they're sincere? In Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, Paul addresses the church in Galatia. He says, verse 6, I'm shocked that you're turning away so soon from God, who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. 
you're following a different way that pretends to be the good news. Now the KJV says gospel right there, but it is not the good news at all. You're being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. There's only one gospel, the one that Peter, Paul, and the apostles preached. Paul then repeats in verse eight, let God curse, God's curse fall on anyone, including us, the apostles, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say again what we have said before, if anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcome, welcome, let that person be cursed. The apostles all preached the same good news or gospel as recorded in the book of Acts. Let's look at the account in Acts chapter two. Now, uh, this will be 2, 37 through 41. Peter's words pierced their heart and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? They had just participated in the crucifixion of Jesus and they realized what they had done. Verse 38, and Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked, crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. It says these people were added to the church that day, and that is just the beginning of their walk in Christ. Then when life is guided by the scriptures, right and wrong can be assessed. King Josiah submitted to the law when it was presented to him. Let us likewise submit to God as he reveals himself to us through his word. Let's pray. Dear God, please allow us to have hearts like Josiah had, hearts that want to please you above all else. Let us be guided in all things by your word. May your spirit direct us so that we can live lives pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen.